Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. And before we get started, I just want to say thank you to every single one of you who's been listening, because apparently you have been. It turns out we've broken all of our records across every streaming service, and we have you to thank for it. So thank you. Meanwhile, our listenership is growing, which means so is our mailbag. And by that, I mean our digital mailbag. Tons of emails, and we do respond to all of them, but one of our interns just dropped a pile of mail on my desk, and in that batch was an actual physical letter written from a real human being's hand, and I'm going to open it right now and read it live on the air. At least that's what I think this is. Of course, if it isn't, this bit is about to go nowhere. Uh, All right, I'm opening it up. It is from Neil from London. Neil writes, Dear Alex, have I ever told you my Adam Ant story. And that's it. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's all we got. The rest of the page is blank, front and back. There's no other page. So either he wrote the Adam Ant story on a separate page and forgot to put it in the letter, or this is it. So no, Neil, you never told me your Adam Ant story. And guess what? You still haven't. So I guess the only thing I can do is tell you mine. Um, Everyone's all queued up for one. Um, so here we go. It's not a very good one, but it does involve Adam Ant. Somewhere back in the early 90s, I interviewed Adam Ant over the phone, and all through our conversation, I remember this, there was incessant barking. I'd ask a question, and the response from him would literally be covered by a litany of barks. After about like 25 minutes, he finally excused himself, and when he came back, he told me that he had three enormous Rottweilers that were wanting his attention. So he told me we had to wrap it up. I asked him a couple more questions. He was super nice. He answered them. And that was that. But then later on that night, when I played back the recording, I couldn't hear any of his responses. Plenty of dog, but barely any ant. So there you go. That's my Adam Ant story. Not a very good one. Uh, But Neil, in the absence of yours, uh, that's all I can do is fill it in with mine. It's a placeholder. So go ahead and write to me and tell me your adamant story. And Neil, I should add, I feel fairly certain your story will be better than mine. But until you send it in, this is the adamant story that is reigning supreme on this podcast. <laughs> weekly, weekly reigning supreme, I should add. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. I was lost like a lovesick ghost Maybe for the very first time You were there where the truth gives way Not for the very last time And the days from your ceaseless ways Nobody else could thrill me in your gaze I was paralyzed Loving the very first degree In this showdown Pain was sweet I took all I could take Shook all I could shake of the Fratellis, a band which features my guest today on the program, John Fratelli. Let me tell you a little bit about the Fratellis and John Fratelli. Well, not much is really known about John Fratelli, so I'll tell you what I can. I mean, he's not J.D. Salinger, but there's not a lot of biographical information about him floating around. I'll tell you what I know. We'll talk about the band. We'll get to the conversation. Together for almost 20 years, the Scottish outfit The Fratellis have put out six perfect albums. From Costello Music to their latest effort, Half Drunk Under a Full Moon, there's not a false step with this band. Every track is a shimmering pop gem filled with melodic majesty, harmonic muscle, and hooks galore. Mr. Fratelli, whose real name is John Lawler, has also put out a few fabulous solo albums as well as a record with Lou Hickey under the name Codeine Velvet Club. That album, by the way, is an unheralded modern classic. 
If you don't believe me, listen to Vanity Kills, and you'll see what I mean. The Fratellis have had top 10 hits, top 5 albums, toured the world, opening for everyone from The Police to Kasabian, played Glastonbury and the Oxygen Festival, and, in the process, have been one of the most consistent bands around. In other words, a new Fratellis album will never let you down. As for Lawler, well, he's a private guy. He's married, he's a dad, and he loves football. What more do you need to know? What's important is that he's one of the great singer-songwriters of the last 50 years. His lyrics are wry and clever and filled with wisdom and grace, and his voice, for me, falls somewhere between John Lennon and Liam Gallagher. And he has one of the best explanations for a love gone wrong. She was into the stones when I was into the roses. Kind of says it all, doesn't it? Well, let's get to the conversation. Here's me and John Fratelli having a chat backstage in San Francisco right before Fratelli's gig, right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. that uh that weather has anything to do with the creative output of an artist um i guess i guess it can um because there's probably an infinite number of things that that influence that um coming from a part of the world that doesn't see the sunshine very often um i'm not sure how much of an effect it's had on our music um uh so i mean i think recording and we, we record lots of we recorded most of our records in Los Angeles, and there's something about that, uh, that that kind of helps. It kind of helps to wake up in the morning and have that sunshine. Uh, but maybe that's just because we're so unused to that, you know. And I guess the cool thing about writing is that it's so portable, right? It's different than the recording process. You can you can pretty much do it anywhere. And and that's the that's really the, the great the great thing about it is that you get absolutely no say. And, and when or where or how these things come up, you know. Um, and I like I like that. I like not knowing. I like not being able to predict um, when that little spark of an idea is, is going to come because um, it keeps life uh, entertaining. Are you one of those guys who's always thinking about writing or is writing always thinking about you? Like, you know, suddenly in the middle of the night, you're urged to the page. It's definitely the second one, and it's definitely the second one for anybody. Um, if they're sort of, if they pay enough attention, they'll realise that, you know, even the desire to make music, nobody chooses to have the desire to make music, in the same way that nobody chooses the desire to do anything. You know, it, it chooses you. Um, so it's definitely a case of. Uh, it creeps up on you and then launches itself, and you know that it's time to to get something out. What what happens to you when you make the choice yourself and you say, "Okay, I'm going to sit down now and I'm going to write"? It, do you find that the process it's not as easy as when it as when it nudges you? Well, it's the same thing because it's exactly the same process. Because even if you decide. You know, I'm going to sit down and, and, and make something. You haven't chosen to feel that way. You know, does that make sense? Right, um, right. Again, that, that chooses you as well. So it's, it's actually exactly the same. It's kind of a comedy, and, and I love the comedy. It's a comedy that, that you then uh, try and take... Um, responsibility after the fact <laughs> when when you haven't chosen any of it you know uh it, it's it's really it's hilarious to me that afterwards you you, you know to, to even speak the words i wrote you know whichever song because really that's not how it happens um it's nice to, to earn the money from it if somebody is gonna earn money you know it might may as well be you um 
but to try and claim responsibility is uh, it's a little bit disingenuous. How old were you when, when you first started realizing that this was happening to you, like songs were coming out of you, and whether they're from the heavens or from the cosmos, w- at what point did you know this was, you were starting to self-identify as a songwriter? I'm not sure I ever did. Um, it, I was probably 17, I guess, 17, 18. Um, but the absolute truth is I, I was never prodigious, and I, I'm still not prodigious. Um, and I've always been an incredibly slow learner at everything. You know, whether it was mathematics or music, it was all the same. And and, and that I was just very slow. Um, but there was always, from about 17, there was just that urge. Um, and the urge was to constantly, one was to entertain myself. And then after that, the other urge was just to keep, you know, I wasn't hearing what I wanted to hear yet. And and I think it's only with this record that we've just released that I've finally started to to hear what I want to hear. Um because of that, this is to me this this is our best record because I'm finally starting to hear uh what I always wanted to hear. I love this record. I love all your work. But the thing is it makes me think of, of Lee Mavers from The Laws. I remember he kind of drove himself nuts with the, with the idea that he couldn't apprehend what he wanted to hear, you know, on the, he couldn't record it. He couldn't figure out how to translate it from uh, what he was hearing in his head to, to the tape. Um, how have you been able to do that? Or do you even, do you even know? Well, I, I don't obsess over it because I know that I'll never hear what I want to hear. Um, I'll never get to that point. Um and and that to me is probably a good thing because you know if you never get to that point um you can play that game where you pretend that you're trying to get to that point and and then the whole thing will keep rolling on um but i definitely what you described of me made is i don't have that thing it doesn't drive me insane like cause i i know i'll never hear what i want to hear so then the pressure's off um so really it's more just about with each record or with just with each song or the sound of each song, you're, you're just edging a little bit closer each time to, it's not perfection or anything remotely like perfection. It's just what sounds pleasing to your ears, you know? And with this record, you feel that you're, you've gotten the closest you've coming to, you've come to, to getting that. To me, this is the closest by far. Um, it's, it's probably the first time we've had a record where, in fact, it's definitely the first time we've had a record where I can sit back and say, you know, I don't, I don't think we could have done this any better, and I, and I don't, I can listen to it without picking holes in it. Um, but you know, the, the, the other great thing is, you know, what appeals to your ears one day is is not what's going to appeal appeal to your ears on another day. So, you know, the next records, which were already quite far down the line of, of, of having written, um, will probably, you know, should be different to, to this record. Um, because, you know, if your taste doesn't change, if your opinion doesn't change, then, you know, life would be a little bit dull. And, and you don't want to make the same record twice, really. I mean, that, that you try to avoid that, right? As much as you can, you know, um, but you know, the, the, there's also the, the 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 fact that you know you have. It's not like we could go out and make a record that was so far removed from what we usually do, right? And still expect to keep the, the fan base that we have. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, why shoot yourself in the foot? Um, so you, you, in some ways, you have to do it slowly, and I think slowly we have fashioned something that suits us at this point but it's still it's still in keeping with you know what people might have expected us to do from the past um, but the truth is we you know we can't give people exactly if, if people want us to make uh, say Costello music over and over again then I just wouldn't know how to do that Um and, and wouldn't be interested in doing that. Years ago, I interviewed Frank from Trash Can Sinatra's, and he was talking about 
the first album specifically. And he was saying that he can't believe how many words are in the songs, how just how thick the lyrical the lyrical content is. Do you find that I mean, first of all, isn't the point to become more economical as you progress as a songwriter? And have you found that to be a similar experience for you with your band? And that that definitely rings true because when we play uh songs from our first record and I'm just astonished at how many words were, that were, we, we tried to fit in um, <laughs> I, I, we fit half as many words in now than we did then um, and you're right it's not like we're necessarily trying to communicate anything um, but it's definitely seems the time goes on you realise that you know, economy is more attractive yeah, he was sort of saying that he thinks it was connected to, like, youthful libido. Like, he thought there was a connection between the rush of words and the rush of feeling. You know, you like a girl and you want to say a thousand things and you kind of cram them all into a song. And as I guess we get a little bit older, maybe that slows down a little bit. I don't know. I don't, maybe there's a connection. It's a good way. Yeah, it's a good way. It's a good way to put it. Um, to, to, I certainly... Um, there was a, especially on with our first record, the writing of that record, there was a certain uh, enthusiasm at the at the time uh, that came out in that way. Uh, now, like the enthusiasm isn't any less. In fact, enthusiasm's probably grown. But yeah, you, you just express it in a different way. How are you in terms of the things that you struggle with as a musician? I mean, the things there are certain things that come really easy, and certain things that that maybe aren't don't always come as so easy. Are how are you with the things that never came easy to you? How do you approach those things now um, in your career? I just no longer um, have any issue with them. Like I, I know my limits. Um, I'm not the best guitar player in the world. I'm not the best singer in the world, and I'm not the best songwriter in the world. And thank God, you know, um, <laughs> it, 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 it's so much easier not being those things. Um, so really, it just comes back to uh, entertainment. Uh, the, the only reason I do what I do is purely out of self-entertainment. It's the, it's the one thing that gives me a good enough reason to, to get myself out of bed in the morning. You know, with, with, if I didn't play music... I would happily sleep uh, probably the rest of my life away. Um, and that would be okay. But uh, I just I have found myself in the position where, okay, this thing uh, excites me enough to constantly want to go back to it and to play with it. And really that's what it comes down to. It comes down to, uh, to play with it. You know, it's like, a, you know, if you watch a kid playing in the sandbox, all they're doing is playing for 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 its own sake, and really that's all we we're doing. You know, it's all done for its own sake, without any sort of uh, target in mind or any destination. You know, you definitely seem more prolific now than you've ever been. You seem like you're on a real hot streak. I mean, the last three records um, seem like they came really quickly, and maybe that's just my perception, but they just seem like they came one after the other. Um, like you have, you're in a really creative at the, mo- at the moment, yeah, right. I mean, given given the fact that, you know, if we were to record, uh, as I said, if we were to record an album next week, I think it would be a really good record. Um, and uh, it does seem like this this period is a is quite a, a fruitful period. Um, but again, you have no you have no say in that. Um, you, you just have to grab them when they're there. Yeah, because you know, I remember like having grown up in the '80s. I remember my favorite bands. They'd put a record out like every year. It was like I look at their discography, and it's like '84, '85, '86, and '87. Like Echo and the Bunnymen is a good example of that. Um, and I think like well, I like Cocaine, Cocaine will do that. <laughs> I guess I guess that probably answers that question. <laughs> that's the '80s, right? I mean, maybe that's why they were able to tour relentlessly and and put records out every every year. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I certainly would like to put them out quicker. Um, that's mostly because 
really for me the, the making of the next record is where all the excitement is. Um, but you know, part of your job is to go out there and you you strike a bargain where your job is to go out there and and play uh, music to people, um, and that can take each time you release a record that can take up the next year. Um, so I, I would I would like to to, to release them quicker, but um, every two or three years at the moment seems seems about as as much as we can manage. You uh, you seem like a guy who has uh, you know probably a. Uh, a wealth of songs in the vaults. You just seem like you're a machine. Like you're just, you're just in a very creatively fertile period right now. It seems to be that way at the moment between our last record and the one we just released and the one I'm quite far down the road of writing at the moment. Yeah, it does seem like a, a good period. Um, but there's really no explanation for that. Um, it, it, it probably won't be that way forever. Uh, it, 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 I, and again, I, I really can't find any explanation other than it, it, it engages me. It, it keeps me. I don't. I don't do it out of desperation. I don't do it because if I stopped doing it, life would be unbearable. It's just that it, it engages me enough that, it, that I'm excited to do it. Um, and that, you know, that might not last forever. Well, if it doesn't, then you can always sleep. The, 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 the thing is, I'm actually the world's worst sleeper. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm terrible at sleeping. I'm very good at being lazy. I'm very good at doing nothing. Like, I've gotten that down to a fine art, but the actual sleeping part, uh, the, that seems to have disappeared. Um, <laughs> so I could sit and do nothing. But for the time being, this thing uh, grabs my attention. Why, why are you the world's worst sleeper? Is it because you're always thinking you can't turn off your brain? Who knows? I mean, uh, suddenly insomnia reared its head about three or four years ago, uh, and I went from taking sleep for granted and being able to do it pretty much anywhere to not being able to do it uh, uh, almost at all. (laughs) So, hey, who knows? (laughs) Do a lot of songs get written in the insomnia hours? Not for me. I I definitely had people talk about waking up from sleep with you know whole songs written I remember hearing Paul McCartney say that was how yesterday came about and I completely understand what he means but I've, I've never had the experience of waking up and suddenly there's a song um, it seems to be something that happens during the, the normal daytime hours I seem to be when it comes I mean ideas you know you get no say in when they arise but I'm definitely better at sitting down and working through the ideas in the morning. I definitely seem to function better first thing in the morning. Um, and I, I can't remember the last time I really worked um, on anything at night. If I'm going to work on something, I tend to get up early and jump straight into it. What uh, thematically, John? What are you interested in when you're writing? Do you look at your work and go, "Wow, I keep seem I, I seem to keep returning to that subject or to that imagery"? Have you noticed there's a through line in your work? Yeah, especially in the last few four years. Yeah, there, there is. Um, the the problem is, you know, I lose objectivity when it comes to it, so it's probably something that somebody from the outside listening to it would pick up on they'd be able to tell me what themes I keep going back to more than I could uh, tell you what themes I keep going back to um, so people have mentioned certain themes uh, but you know you go through these phases where certain things capture your, your imagination and essentially it still comes back down to the perennial boy-girl weirdness. You know, we all know that weirdness. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's like, that's infinite. That, you, you know, you can you can mine that uh, forever because it never gets any less weird. Yeah, that's a weird one because it seems like the more you write about it, the more you think about it, the less sense it, it makes. You would think that, you know, we get better at it as we get older, but it keeps being a confounding thing. Um, is that frustrating? Is that is that a strange thing to confront? It's, I mean, 
it's going to sound ridiculous, but I, I love it. I love the fact that it's weird, and I love the fact that uh, I'll never understand it. Um, it, it I'm perfectly okay with uh, knowing that I'll, I, I'm not supposed to understand it. <laughs> uh, and I, I love the the strangeness of that. So your 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 our lives are kind of like a chase. You're chasing the songs that you hear in your head that you that hopefully you'll never catch. You'll just get closer and closer to it. And we the, with the boy girl weirdness thing, the weirdness of romance. You just keep chasing that too in an attempt to try to understand both of those things. <laughs> but there's no well, answers. The, the, boy, the boy girl thing, I get, the, the boy girl thing, I gave up on chasing, like because uh, it's it's. It's just far too silly and far too obvious uh, why why there is this perennial problem, you know. Um, the constant looking for another person to um, to make everything okay, you know. Um, that's why it could, that's why they can never do it. You know, you're asking far too much of the other person if you expect them to solve all your apparent problems. Uh, and the, the perfect fix for that is to realize that you have no problems. Um, <laughs> but that's where the, the comedy comes in. Be, you mean because, of course, we do have problems. Well, hey, you have a problem if you say you have a problem. Uh, the, 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 the easy way to realize that you actually don't have any problems, to, to me, uh, is to have no desired outcome. If you have no desired outcome, then where's the problem? You know, if the desire is is the perfect relationship or the money in the bank or whatever it is that our culture tells you, you know, let's not forget it's our culture that teaches us all these things. Uh, and if you don't have those things, then it's considered a problem. But if you have no desired outcome, uh, then... I find there's never any problem, and my honest truth is at this point, I have no problems. Well, you may have just solved it for people who are going through this kind of situation, this kind of problem. Uh, I guess the answer then is to just enjoy it, enjoy every minute of it, and not not think about where it's going or what it means. Well, that's how I see it. Um, It's a comedy. (laughs) It's a... Some might say it's a tragedy, um, I see it more as a comedy, and as such, it's to be enjoyed, you know. Um, but to, to, to me, it seems patently obvious why there is this p- perennial problem. And it's not just the boy-girl thing, it's looking for something to fill an apparent uh, hole. Uh, and all it takes is to realise that, the, that there was no hole that needed to be filled, Um and then, then everything's easy. Uh, that I mean, that is a really good approach to romance, I think, or to to anything really. I think that's a really good way to sort of simplify the, all that weird, tangled uh, chords that we try to keep plugging in. Well, you know, it would it would release everybody from uh, so many ridiculous expectations. I mean, what a terrible expectation to put on somebody. You know, you are gonna solve everything for me. I mean, my God, it's no wonder relationships don't work. Because <laughs> if both sides are doing that, man, that's that's hell. Uh, and nobody can ever f- fulfill that, you know. When did all of this dawn on you? Uh, the last three or four years. But I, I realized that with everything, uh, you know, again, it comes from our culture. We are taught that there are uh, a certain bunch of criteria that that you have to meet in order to be happy. And the, 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 the patently obvious fact is everybody trying to satisfy those apparent needs that they're told that they have is what makes people unhappy. Uh, and then I realized and I've learned that when I, when I completely stopped having any desire for anything, to bring me happiness, uh, I realized, oh my God, I was happy all along. Um, <laughs> and it's a kind of ever-present, constant happiness. Um, and that's, you know, I, that to me, that's it's the way children are. And then somehow they, they unlearn over time. 
I wonder if you, if that might be one of the reasons why your uh, your songwriting is, is you're so prolific now is that you there's no there's no barriers where there used to be barriers. Maybe that is part of the reason why your creativity has has blossomed in the last four years as, as much as it has. Probably, but also because it means you can't take it that seriously anymore. Right. You know, in the same way that you know when you're not, um, you don't place these demands on uh, a partner. Um, or a job uh, to bring you happiness. If you're not placing demands on the music to bring you happiness, then it can it seems to flow more easily. revelations or this new kind of knowledge that you have around that subject um it seems that it's good to know that now and not at 97 i think people probably all realize it at the moment of uh at the moment of uh, death there's probably i get the feeling there's probably that revelation at that point oh okay i got it wrong (laughs) <laughs> oh right, I didn't need anything. Um, <laughs> uh, it's nice to have learned it now, but the, the the really good news is that it's 
it's easy to do it. It actually takes no effort. Uh, uh, all of my life up to this point involved so much effort, uh, and it was unnecessary. Um, and that's that definitely it has its benefits. It, 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 it frees everything up a lot more. Well, I mean, the the guy who realizes it at death, I think he'd be a little angrier. He'd be like, "Oh fuck, I really, I really I should." Wish I'd known, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I talked to, yeah, to John. It's, it's helpful, <laughs> but do you know, I, honestly, I think this is this is exactly, you know, I think this is what we are born with. I don't seem to remember as a kid having any problems. Um, <laughs> it seems to be trouble-free and easy, uh, and then there seems to be a certain point where, you know, your old you, you, your grasp of language becomes better and. You you then become a sponge, and our culture teaches so many things that you can't help but but learn, uh, and you take them for granted, and you take them as as being self obvious until hopefully you suddenly realise that oh my god it's all uh, nonsense, um, and I didn't have to do any of it. Yeah, and it's probably made you in your life just a generally more receptive to things that maybe you weren't receptive to before. It, it, it definitely has. Um, it, it doesn't mean that you, I don't have opinions, or, but you know, opinions come and go, and they're not very important. Um, and they change on a minute-to-minute basis. I actually really don't trust somebody who has very rigid opinions. Um, and the funny thing is that, again, our culture is quite distrusting of somebody who sways wildly from one opinion to the next. I actually, I'm more, I, I trust that more. Um, than being uh, rigid. Be, you mean because people are more open to like uh, whimsy or open to uh, you know different different stimulus that can change their opinion? Yeah, because you know maybe maybe it's the the question is why shouldn't opinions change? You know, um, and why shouldn't they change from minute to minute? Um, it, it to, to keep one strident rigid opinion or several several of them for an entire lifetime I find that really untrustworthy um, because you know opinions should change um, to, to me at least if you're being flexible enough yeah, because it, it suggests that somebody is a, when they're categorically saying, "I don't like Indian food," "I don't like speed metal." That's somebody who is sort of uh, categorically denying something is not open-minded, or denying the possibility that that it, that it might change. You know, um, and I think people seem to there seems to be a belief that these things might change gradually, but sometimes they change instantly, you know, and there's 24 hours in a day, you could have 24 opinions in, in a day, um, <laughs> and they could wildly differ from each other. Um, in fact, to me, that's far more trustworthy. Yeah. Well, this real, this is a seismic shift in your, in your life, this realization. This is, and this is actually a really cool thing for me to hear you say it. It's very cool. Well, you know, uh, it's not something I ever talk about that often. Um, but yeah, there was a fairly huge shift that, that came unannounced and uninvited um, and <laughs> wasn't necessarily appreciated at first. Um, but hey, these things happen. <laughs> these things do happen. Um, you know, I, I was I was going to joke around with you and say, I'm not going to make you get philosophical. You have a show to sing at in a couple of hours, and here I've made you go philosophical. Uh, so I apologize for that. Hey, that's absolutely okay. I have to. I have, I have time to kill. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, I, I appreciate you go, going deep with me on that one, because that's actually really, I think it's really interesting. Well, it, like I said earlier, the good news is it's, it's, it's easy. It's 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 far much takes so much more energy to uh, to constantly have uh, desired outcomes, uh, and you're constantly going to be disappointed. I mean, you're talking about trillions of pos- possible outcomes, uh, and to be sort of fixated on three or four over the course of a life that everything should. I want things to go this way. Man, it's a recipe for 
for hell uh, because you know I, I, if you really think about it I'm sure you'll be able to look back and see that basically nothing has ever gone either the way that you thought or the way that you planned um, there's so much you have, you have so much evidence of that um, so then the pressure's off and don't you think that even when something goes the way you expected it to go it really doesn't go the way you expected it to go like it's totally different even though even though it seems yeah. like right like it seems like it hit all the bells and all the marks it was supposed to hit but somehow it isn't quite the same and case in point when when our band uh, started to become popular and you suddenly got, or you 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 thought you were getting all of these things that you had uh, wished for all these years, and I defy anyone to get that and not notice that. My God, this isn't how I thought it was going to be. Uh, and for me, it was more a case of this can't be it. It was meant to be better than this. It was meant to. It was meant to take care of everything. It was meant to, you know, all those apparent problems of all those previous years. It was supposed to take care of all that. It was supposed to heal all of that. And like, and it didn't. And and I was very confused by it. And, and, you know, up until these last three or four years until I realized, oh, oh, it couldn't, it couldn't, it couldn't do that. Just the same way that, you know, the boy or the girl can't do that um, because it doesn't have it. Really, it doesn't have that power. And the reason you can't do that is because the thing you were looking for, you you, you were looking elsewhere for it when you, when it was already there. Um, not to get too deep. <laughs> No, it's good. I mean, I, like, so for example, a hit song and TV appearances and big concerts and uh, money and tons of girls, that doesn't cure existential angst. Uh, no, this is why, you know, there's a good reason why artistic people uh, drink so much alcohol and take so many drugs. You know, uh, I, I, I honestly think that it's because oh, wow, this this should be doing it for me, and, and it's not. But the great thing is, like, you know, with, it's the same with music. When you stop expecting it to give you anything, it gives you more than you could have ever imagined. You just have to let go. Well, letting go um, involves effort. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. It's more in, it's more in this, the, 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 the realizing that you absolutely have no control over anything that, you know, that uh, people disagree with me. That's, that's how I see life. And, but it's not an opinion and it's not a belief. It's just been my experience. I've never been able to control anything. Uh, and, you know, I, I didn't control my eye color. I didn't control, uh, what height I was going to be. I didn't control, so many things, and yet, you know, there's still this belief that, oh, I, 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 actually, I do. I, I choose things, and I control things, and, wow, no, I don't. Um, and how a fucking will you? Because I know I can relax. Well, I think I think what drives people crazy, those who try to control everything, is that the more they try to control something, the less control they realize they actually have, and that makes them want to control even more. It, it's, a kind of, it's a kind of strange circle. Yeah, it, it, it's... You know, we, we see it. We see it on our TVs every day. Um, this desperate need and this this ongoing belief that, yeah, that I can influence things. Um, and we're very, we've, 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 over the years, we've become very skilled at convincing ourselves of that and creating huge complex stories to justify it and yet it's completely untrue and um, and man honestly when you realize that there is the, the game is over the whole game of, of of pretending to have control and to pretend to to have all of these apparent needs that that game finishes and then you start to play a new one <laughs> uh, where Wow, where everything just becomes hilarious, 
just a, a complete comedy and a, and a complete joy. Yeah, I was going to say that, that that realization kind of installs the delight back into life, back to being a, a kid and not worrying about controlling so much stuff. Yeah, kids kids have it. Kids have it until we convince them otherwise. Um, but again, the good news is that it's it's very easy. I won't say to get back to that because again, that would be an effort. Uh, but it, it, it takes care of itself when it when you realise that, hey, you know, I, I I don't have any choice in any of this. Isn't that great? Do you ever find yourself uh, with the old reflex of of you can feel yourself veering back towards wanting to control, but you but then you just don't do that? Is there ever a temptation to to go back to that feeling or moments where you feel oh I, I that's an old reflex I recognize. Oh yeah, so it's a, you've been it's a habit that's been practiced for a long time. Uh, it takes it takes some time, and generally most people in the same position find that it can be a, a disconcerting period um, because you have two very uh, opposing uh, forces. But what seems to happen eventually is those reflexes they, they become. Less and less, and smaller and smaller, shorter and shorter, and until now, when they, they they do come up, and they're they're a comedy again, that they're laughed at. There you go again, pretending to be in charge, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it's no long. It becomes you know just too funny. Um, but sometimes it's good fun to, to play the game of pretending to be in charge. Uh, it just doesn't last very long. Um, and, yeah, hey, I don't know what else to say. Was there a point in your life where you were a very competitive guy? Oh, God. I mean, as competitive as most of our culture is, you know, we have quite a competitive culture. But again, that comes from that belief that um, that there are a certain there's certain criteria that has to be fulfilled uh, to, to make you happy, and and some of them can for a really short time. But you know, there's a reason why you know for some people one drink isn't enough, or two drinks isn't enough, or or there's not enough drugs in the world, or there's not enough TV in the world, you know. Because it'll pacify you for a short time, and then you know we all know that feeling of you know the whatever it may be that that um, that pacifies you. It, it it it's always you know indefinite. It's, it's it, you know it's never. It's a very short period, and quite quickly you know we get you know angsty again, and, and you know uh, that's. Co- it's so obvious now that that's because these things that you thought would would make you happy, you know, they can't make you happy, um, and they can't make you happy because uh, because you, you already are. Um, and I know I, I came from a, a, a long history of of clinical depression and and every medication they could give me for that, um, all in the search of of being happy, which is all anybody's looking for, uh, until I realized that, oh, right, these won't work, and music won't work, and alcohol won't work, because, hey, I was already happy in the first place. Um, <laughs> so any all these other things can only uh, take me away from that. When you were competitive, were you competitive with yourself or were you competitive where you'd hear a band and you'd go, ah, oh, fuck, I gotta, now I gotta raise it even higher? Um, and how, and how has that changed for you now if you hear, like, for example, if you hear the new song by, say, like, The Vaccines, and you go, oh, man, that's a good one. Can you enjoy that and not enjoy it? I'm sorry, can you enjoy it in a way that isn't competitive, right? In other words, can you go, well, that has nothing to do with me. That's just them, and I'm happy for them. Uh, completely. Com- that's exactly what happens now. But in the past, no, I would have been, I was jealous of everybody, Uh you know, there was no limit to the amount of things I was jealous about. Um, and 
man, that's hell. That's a hellish life, and, and I suspect in some way that's kind of part of most people's makeup, you know. Uh, it might not be recognised as jealousy, uh, but, you know, I think we we do a lot of measuring, you know, they have what I don't have, or they can do what I can't do. Um, and you know, the, the great thing is, again, thank God that I can't do what they can do, uh, because the world would be a really dull place if everybody was was matched perfectly. You know, it really wouldn't be a very interesting game to play. No, and you can now you can appreciate things on a, on a whole new level. So if you hear something that you love, you can love it in in a way that doesn't make drive you insane with trying to top it. That's that's been my experience, yeah. I mean, it, it with with everything, with everything. Um, there's a, there's a there's a almost like a cel a celebration that happens when I hear or see some something that somebody has done that 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 excites me. You know, whereas before, I mean, to celebrate it would have been ridiculous. You know, uh, it would kick off days, weeks, years of angst. Uh, it's nice not to live with that. Yeah, and it, it it allows you to be to really take in art and in a really pure pure way. And you know, whereas before it was sort of it came with some baggage. Yeah, but also, you know, when, when we were talking earlier about not getting to choose what music comes your way, I, I realized that's the same for everyone. You know, so it, it's not personal in the slightest. Um, you know, take somebody like David Bowie. We all love him, but the, you know the idea that there was this guy called David Bowie who could do all of these things, and we praise him for it, makes no sense to me anymore. Because uh, he didn't choose any of that in the same way that I'm describing the fact that I don't get to choose any of this either. He was like a like like you're like a conduit, right? It's not it's like it has not it's not you. It's it's the conduit is sort of speaking through you. In my experience, that's that's everybody. Yeah, you know that's that's everybody. Um, and there's a very simple experiment to try to prove this, which is to try and predict your next thought. Um, try and do that, and you realise very quickly that you cannot predict your next thought. Even when you think you you are predicting it, uh, you you have to then ask the question, okay, but what predicted that? And you soon realise that okay, I'm absolutely not in charge. There is nobody here in charge of any of this. Um, and then, man, the whole thing's just a gas. Yeah, it's like now now you, I'm doing that now, and it's driving me insane because I'm realising you're completely right. Uh, I can't, <laughs> I can't control any of my thoughts, and I'm realizing that like the person who I thought was captaining this ship is not me. No, no, exactly. But the the very important question, and maybe you don't have to print this part, um, but just for you, given that you've just noticed that, the question is, well, what is this thing that? whilst not uh, in charge of thought, what is this thing that's aware of it? What is this thing that's aware of whatever it is that appears? You know, good thoughts, bad thoughts, uh, evil thoughts, blissful thoughts, no matter what they are, something is there that, that knows it. Uh, and to me, that's me. Whatever I call me is that thing that's aware of all of this stuff that's happening. Um, and I've never known myself not to be this thing that's aware. And I've never known it to disappear. I never knew it having a beginning. I've never known it to have an end. Therefore, uh, I have to assume that it had no beginning and it, it, it's never ended. And therefore, I can relax. Whatever I am <laughs> can relax. Right. And and your awareness of that awareness went on hiatus for, for a period of time 
right when you when you were sort of trying to be controlling of of life and waiting for happiness to be delivered yeah um, uh, right I, I think from a certain age everybody's does yeah or, or it seems to it never quite you you realize that it, it actually it only appeared to disappear but then there's more comedy involved because it couldn't have disappeared um but you know, I, I don't know how to condense it any more than that. Yeah. Well, um, does it does it make you? But, when, what, yeah, whatever sorry. it is, and you know, whatever it is, and you know, it, it happened, and it was realized, and it was incredibly simple. Um, and as a result, life begins to become incredibly simple. When you go back and you listen to Bowie or you listen to the Stone Roses, do you? Are you able to appreciate that music now in a totally different way? Yeah, with a, with a complete sense of uh, rejoicing in the fact that it, that it exists. You know, like it, it's such a a colorful um, play. Um, I, I just it, it, I'm so thankful that that that, that all of those things occurred. You know, um, they make life colorful and incredibly, infinitely interesting. And and by the way, just out of curiosity, that the awareness you're talking about when we die, <laughs> such a cheer, I know it's a cheery chat, chat, but when we die, the awareness, what, what, happen, what do you think happens to that awareness? <laughs> now, now we're probably getting even deeper, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm willing to, to go there. Um, Again, I think our culture has has uh, concocted this thing called death, um, and and gotten it so wrong. Um, it, I, I I see it as a non-event. It's not an event that can be experienced, you know, um, because even if you take the two conventional models that our culture. Uh, um, has grasped one of life after death or one of nothing after death. Neither of them can be what they claim to be. Life after death clearly isn't death because an experience would continue to happen. So that one's easy to see. And the other side of the argument that, you know, there's nothing after death. Well, nothing can't be an experience either. You know, like, um, it's kind of funny to me that, and funny as in comedy funny, that, that you know, that you've got eight, seven and a half billion people have seen, mostly, for the most part, seem terrified of this thing called death. And yet, who don't mind every night of their lives for 80 years, if they're lucky, uh, going to sleep. and having having non-experience, right? I mean, to me, it's exactly the same thing. Um, It's just bizarre, bizarre that we've uh, convinced ourselves of this story. Not only that, but every every night we look forward to going to sleep, you know? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> even even when you know that you're probably going to wake up at one point with with some insomnia, I mean, it's still that sort of the the beauty of just laying down and turning and just relaxing. Sure, ab- absolutely, of course. Um, Is yeah, that the, the 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 looking forward to to disappearance. I wonder too if that if that sort of looking forward to disappearing. I've you know I. I teach, I teach college and uh, I'm, I appear very extroverted, but by the end of the day, after I've taught university classes or I've, I've um, you know, done a podcast, I do look forward to disappearing quite a bit. Yeah, because that's where the happiness is. I think that's intuitively where you, you realize, where you know that happiness can be found. Uh, but it's really... You know, we'd make a little bit of a mistake with that because happiness being the disappearance of all the apparent problems, you know, the, 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 almost the one way you can guarantee that is to go to sleep because you know they won't be there. 
Um, but it's such a shame that it's it, it, it's, it can be easier than that. Uh, it's as simple as realising that those apparent problems were only apparent and they weren't problems. Is your relationship to solitude, is it is it better now than it was maybe, say, 10 years ago, or do you enjoy the solitude? I, I, the funny thing is I loved solitude before. I was happiest when I was away from people. And now I, I, I love people. I like being around them. Um, but I still, you know, it's just part of my character to to prefer or to seem to need long periods of, of peace and, and non-conversation. But I enjoy people way more now than I used to. Uh, man, I, I got to. I know I have to let you go. I really enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate you going deep with me. I, I um, <laughs> I wanted to help you save your voice. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm starting to feel a little bit croaky actually. Um, talking's worse than singing uh, for, for voices. Um, but hey, that was good fun. It was really. Hey, I really appreciate. Man, I, I've I've been following you for a long time, and I'm I'm an enormous admirer of your work. I think you're you're one of the best, man. That's awfully nice of you to say. Thank you. Well, I, I appreciate your time and have a have a great show tonight. And uh, thank you again for for going into the the depths of, of the human condition with me. You're welcome. That was a conversation, and it was also an experience. I really enjoyed that. Uh, John Fratelli from the Fratellis. We recorded that a while back, and uh, it's nice to share it with you now. One of my favorite conversations. What a what a thoughtful, intelligent, and lovely guy. Uh, the Fratellis.com, two L's, one I, and S, dot com, Half Drunk Under a Full Moon, is the newest album. They will be touring across the UK in November. Go see them. In my opinion, one of the all-time great bands. Really. I mean, I love this band so much. All six of their albums, perfect. Pick them up. You don't have them? Get them. You do have them? Get them on vinyl. Buy them for presents for people that you love. They'll thank you forever. Uh, Alex Green, <laughs> forever. I mean, that's a really... Maybe they won't thank you forever, but they'll thank you. They'll be very happy. I don't know what forever is. How long is that? They'll be happy that you got them onto the Fratellis. That's good enough. Let's, let's leave forever out of it. <laughs> AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. I do have a new book coming out at Christmas time. So get ready for relentless self-promotion and self-referential anecdotes about the work I do in my study while drinking expensive liquor and smoking a pipe. No, none of that happens. I just sit in the dark and write stuff, and the cat kind of stares at me. It's not a very dignified uh, way of doing it. Uh, it's not how I envisioned it, but it's how it's happening. So the books keep coming. Who am I to argue? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor or on Instagram at Embers Podcast or just email me, editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Please don't forget to check out BombshellRadio.com to find out our schedule of programming and just what exactly it is that makes our radio station tick. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on every single streaming platform. I defy you to find one we are not on. We're on platforms wouldn't even put ourselves on. I found some platforms that have just sort of uh, started carrying the show uh, without our permission, but I don't care. Glad that word is being spread through whatever means necessary. It's like, hey, it's Penguin.com, the great streaming service. I'm like, oh, okay, we're on Penguin.com, <laughs> PenguinEar.com or Penguin.com. I don't know what it is, but we're on something with a penguin in it. I'm fine with it. I don't care. Pick up the show and carry it, whoever you are, streaming service platform of Obscuria. 
Uh, we are, though, just so you know, available on all streaming services. You know the ones, iHeartRadio, Apple Music, uh, Google Play, Penguin Face, <laughs> whatever, whatever. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, tell a friend, and uh, thank you, as always, for spreading the word about our show. Let's close the program with a longer listen to the Fratellis Living in the Dark from the brand new album. Well, you know, it's brand new-ish. Half drunk under a full moon. And do go to their site, pick up the music, pick up some merch. You'd look so cute in a Fratellis hoodie. I'm Alex Green. I appreciate you listening. And I will see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio. I was lost like a lovesick ghost Maybe for the very first time you were there Where the truth gives way